Amen. I'm thankful that the Holy Ghost is here. I told Brother Brother Billy Phillips during praise and worship, I said, I feel like a bird dog in a high wind right now, feeling so many things in this house. But I felt the Holy Ghost here today, and I believe that God wants to speak to us tonight. Amen. Second Corinthians, the 10th chapter, beginning in verse 3. The Bible says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I want to preach for just a few moments from this title, The Battlefield of the Mind. The Battlefield of the Mind. Let's pray that the Lord would have his way in the remainder of this service. Let's pray for our pastor, Brother Nathan, Sister Angela, as they travel. My mother, my father, come on, let's pray right now. God, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your house. God, keep your hand on those that are traveling. Thank you for those that have made it into this place tonight. I pray that your spirit would move in this house. God, that you would flow, that you would flow in a mighty way. God, that you would touch somebody tonight. Heal somebody tonight. Let there be power. Let there be refreshing. Let there be renewing. Oh, God, we'll give you the praise. We'll give you the honor. We'll give you the glory. Come on, why don't you clap your hands and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. In the name of Jesus, you can be seated. Thank you for coming to church tonight. I was raised in a family where I thought you had to have a good excuse to not be at church. And then I started pastoring and realized you didn't have to have a good excuse not to be at church. And so I, I understand that, that there, there are a thousand other places you could be right now. And you made your way to the house of God. And I pray that you do receive that double portion tonight. Amen. We need to understand some things about the Bible before we go any further forward. In the book of Acts chapter 2, the question is posed. They say, men and brethren, what shall we do? And this is after those that have crucified Jesus have been preached to. They've seen the Holy Ghost fall in the upper room. And, and they, they see the effects thereof on the apostles. And Peter stands with the eleven. He preaches the message. And, and he, it's, it's a message of conviction. And they ask the question, men and brethren, what shall we do? And we know then Peter said unto them, repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. He goes on to say the promise is to you, to your children, to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And then it says with many other words did he testify and exhort saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. And so what we have to understand is when the question was posed, men and brethren, what shall we do? It was a long drawn out answer. There were many things that need to be said. But obviously Peter understood, let's get to the most important things first. And so he said, repent, be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for remission of sins, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's the most important part. And then he said, oh, and the promise is to you, to your children, to all that are far off. That's the second most important part. First, you need to understand what you have to do to get the promise. And then you need to understand that the promise is to you and the next generation and to the Gentiles and to the Samaritans. Amen. And then he continued preaching and said, save yourself from this untoward generation. Now, I don't know what all he preached in there. There's probably some holiness, some separation, and a lot of good stuff. But he dealt with the most important things first when they asked the question. Now, when the disciples in the Gospels would ask Jesus, they would say, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. 
He would go on, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We know the Lord's prayer. And, and he addresses the things that are most important first. The worship, the praise, the magnification of God. He goes through the daily bread. He goes through forgiveness. He goes through temptation. He goes through all these things. But it's in order of importance. And then immediately following the prayer that he poses to the disciples, he goes right back into forgiveness. Which tells me that, that forgiveness held a very important part of that prayer. And so he instantly starts to exhort once again, probably understanding that, that they wouldn't get any of the other stuff right if they didn't get forgiveness right. And so, well, glory, that'll preach on its own. And so you'll find over and over in the Bible where, where the, in essence, the, the subject is so broad, it can't, be, it can't be addressed in one scripture, which is why we don't cherry pick out of the Bible. We don't pick one scripture like, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost, and say that's a mode of baptism when everywhere else in the Bible it's the name of Jesus. As a matter of fact, the, the other accounts of... Of the Great Commission, it's, it's understood, it's the name of Jesus. And so it, the, the Bible says to go line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little. And that's how you form doctrine. And, and the reason that this is so important is because, as I just stated, there are principles in the Bible, and, and many, many of them that are so broad, they can't be addressed in one scripture. But oftentimes you'll find they're addressed in order of importance. And... And things that, that need to be taken care of first, you know, then, then it's like you deal with this and we'll deal with the next part later, you know. And, and so we just, we do first things first. We're, we don't want to get the cart in front of the horse. And so it's, it's important that you understand how to break down the word of God. As a matter of fact, the Bible says rightly dividing the word of truth. If it says to rightly divide the word of truth, then obviously there's a wrong division of the word of truth. Amen. And so we have to properly divide the word of God. And so with that in mind, let's read the scripture. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Okay, that's a statement. We don't walk, we walk in the flesh, we don't war after the flesh. The weapons of our warfare, warfare they are not carnal, they are not natural, they are not temporal. But they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And then instantly the apostle writes, casting down vain imaginations. And every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. And taking into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. The, he, he talks about warfare. He talks about spiritual warfare. It's not, it's not natural. It's not carnal. We're not warring after the flesh. And these weapons, they are not carnal, but they are mighty. And then instantly he addresses the mind. Amen. He addresses imagination, knowledge, and thought. Which are all processes of the human mind. Amen. And so we have to, we have to take from this scripture, if, if I can present it to you like this, warfare, the first battle in the war, in this spiritual warfare that we fight, the first battle is in our mind. Amen. And, and, and whether you win or lose in your own mind determines whether you win or lose in every aspect of your life beyond your mind. Amen. If you can't get it right between your ears, you ain't going to get it right in your day-to-day -day life. And, and so it's important. God, help me right now. In the name of Jesus. 
Amen. Casting down imaginations. Every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. Now, the Greek word that's translated into imaginations here is, is probably best understood. Um, it's, it's, it's reasonings. And so, imaginations here is not some far-fetched, like, mythical creation or expression of your brain. And I think this is important to understand because uh, there's a lot of good, rational people that can probably uh, exclude themselves from this, this admonition because they don't consider themselves to be vastly imaginatory. And so, well, I don't have, I don't have some vivid imagination that, that gets lost and, and, and out there in space somewhere. And so the Apostle Paul was obviously not talking to me. This is actually the reasonings of the human brain. And every one of you reason. Amen. Every one of you reason. There is no exclusion here. It's casting down the, the, the sources of reason in your own brain and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. Now this is, this knowledge here is, is, it is what can be known. What is factually true. Amen. This is why I ask you, do you know that God is faithful? Even when, when times are going hard. Is, is, is God good even on a bad day? Do you know that God is good? And... And the reason, the reason we have to understand this is because the Apostle Paul is saying, cast down. Yeah, can, can, I, can I just put it in Arkansas terms right now? He said, cast down all the reasons, all the reasons in your brain that are getting in the way of what you know God to be. Yeah. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Amen. There's, there are people under the sound of my voice right now, and, and, and by the help of the Holy Ghost, I'm coming for you tonight. Amen. In the Spirit, I'm coming to help you tonight. you got to understand that, that there are some things you know about God, but there are some situations that you get into in life, and, and the reasonings of the human brain start to get out of control a little bit, and they start to challenge or exalt themselves Against what you know about God. And when you get to that place, you, you're, you're having a battle in your mind. And if you don't win the battle of your mind, hell is just one step from carrying you out the door. And so it's important that you understand. Amen. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. He said, and bring into captivity every thought. Why? Because thoughts are, are processes of reason. And, and so if you, let's, let's just be real. If you are having a bad day or, or you're in a bad month financially, you know that God is a provider. And you know that there's a principle of multiplication in giving. But sometimes when you've given and then you're like right next to the red or even in the red, there's some human reason that starts to challenge what you know to be true about God. Amen. This is the same thing that happens in the book of Job when, when he loses all of, his, all of his cattle, all of his livestock, all of his children, the vast majority of his servants, almost everything that he owns... 
is lost and, and he understands that there is, a, there is a war now that has been waged in his mind. And the Bible says that Job looked at everything that happened and he said, you know what? Naked came I into this world. Naked shall I return to the ground. God's the one that gave it. God took it away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The name of Jesus. And, and while Job is winning the war in his mind, his wife is looking at all the reasons. She said, why don't you just curse God and die? What's happened? It, it, it is a, it is a and, and it's not a, not a, not a far-fetched or, or, or out in left field reasoning. It's a, pretty, it's a pretty valid human reasoning point. God has forsaken you, Job. Why don't you forsake him the way that he forsook you? And he said, woman, you speak like a fool. Amen. There's something something in Job's mind where he understands, even though I'm having a bad day right now, God is good. And I'm not going to allow reason to exalt itself against knowledge of God. Name of Jesus in the name of Jesus. Amen. And so, so it's important, it's important that, that we, we understand mindset is, is very, 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 very important to us. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul would say, let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus. Amen. What is he saying? You need to allow God to determine and, 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 and to mold your mindset. Your, your reasoning, your thought processes. Now, the, and, and this is, this is, these are things that, that people, they want to they wanna contend and fight and, and, and be contentious about, about when you start talking about how you think. You know, they, oh, well, that's, that's a cult. No, no, I'm telling you that hell is trying to, it is trying to exalt itself through your human reason that fell the day that, that sin was committed in the garden, something happened in the mind of humanity. It was, it was, what was, what was the initial sin? It was the pursuit of knowing more than God knew. It was the pursuit of human reason being above God's reasoning ability. And so we lost something in the garden and hell has been exploiting that since that day and, and, and trying to humanity. This is why people argue and they say things like, well, if God is so good, why is there, why is there disease and why is there famine and, and why, why are there all these things? It's, it's human reason exalting itself against the knowledge of God. My, my response is, well, go back to when Jesus created it. Go back to the Garden of Eden. It was perfect. Amen. The, the, the sin and the despair in, in, in the world is due to human action. Human disobedience. And so I don't think it's a valid question to say, well, if God is good, then why all this? Well, God, God created it real good, and then we messed it up. And so now we can't blame it on Him that we've messed it up. And so it's not, it, it doesn't make you, it doesn't make you um, gullible or, or you know, not, non-independent or something of, of that nature to allow God and, and the Word of God to change the way that you think. Amen. You got to understand that, that if, if, you, if you think in a certain way, 
And, and you, allow, you allow your human reason and your human intellect and your human logic to exalt itself against the knowledge of God. You've lost the war in your mind. You've lost the battlefield of your mind. Amen. The Bible would say in Romans chapter 12, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect Will of God. Amen. You have to have your mind right before you can even find the will of God for your life. And that's not just to find the perfect will of God for your life. you got to get your mind right before you can even find the good will of God for your life. Amen. And so, so we have to understand that, that getting a hold of this, this, this mind deal is so important. Amen. And this is why, this is why one of the most important aspects of spiritual warfare is simply controlling what goes on in your mind. Amen. Depression, anxiety, weariness, weakness, despair. Where does it start? Starts in the mind. It's a, it, it, is a, it is a thought process that, that, that your emotions connect to. And, and it's just a, a deadly downward spiral. It happens in... The mind. Amen. And so I've seen people, and, and, and we're going places tonight, I promise. I've seen people that they attempt to war in every way that they know. They try, they try praise. Amen. Because praise is one of our weapons. Amen. He inhabits the praises of his people. He inhabits the praises of Israel. We know that praise is a weapon. Well, let me give you a scripture. The Bible says whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report. If there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. So where are we going? We're going right back to the root of the problem. You can't praise your way out of a problem that you can't control your mind. God, help me right now. In the name of Jesus, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm going to help somebody tonight in the Holy Ghost. God, help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Amen. And, and I'm, not, I'm not negating the weapons. I'm not negating prayer. I'm not negating praise. I'm not negating fasting. All of these are so necessary. But you cannot do these enough trying to fight a problem that's actually a result of an issue in your mind. You have to identify a problem to get the solution to it. And so where we start is mind. Where we start is reasoning. I've watched two people walk through the exact same trial and one kept their mind and one couldn't keep their mind. And I watched the one that'll get a hold of their brain and say, you know what? I'm having a bad day right now. I don't feel good right now. Money's not good right now. Family ain't good right now. But God's still good right now. God, help us tonight. Help us tonight. Amen. 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 And I've watched, I've watched people pull through the most traumatic things just by simply keeping their mind. And then I've watched people go through things that aren't even really that bad. Something gets into their brain. And God has failed them. And the church has failed them. And the pastor's failed them. The family has failed them. And, and you can't. What does the Bible say about them? Somebody's easily offended. 
the harder to be one than an entire city? Amen. Did you know that offense starts in your brain? Amen. It is, it, is a, it is a mental process that triggers an emotion that connects to a spirit. That's offense. You know, I've... Okay, well, glory. I, I, in the name of Jesus. That's why the same person in the church can say the exact same hurtful thing to two different people. And one of them's fine. And one of them's in the dumps for a month. Why? Because one of, one of them, when it went into their mind... They took that thought into captivity, locked it up, threw away the key, and they keep trucking in life. And one of them, one of them, that, 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 that thought, that statement, that whatever it is, is like a bull in a china shop, and they just can't get control of it. And before you know it, their brain is completely wrecked, and, and they're on the verge of suicide, and, and depression has them in the dumps. What happened? They, they lost a battle in their mind. In the name of Jesus. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord. Amen. 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 Casting down imaginations, every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. These are reasonings, presuppositions that literally try to overwhelm or, or, or lift themselves up against what you know to be true. About God. Amen. And so let's go through some things. Do you know that God is faithful? Amen. Do you know that God is good? Do you know that God loves you? Amen. Do you know that God is forgiving? Do you know that God is just? Amen. Now, let's, let's, let's deal with this justice real quick. If you know that God is just, why can you not let go of it when you feel like somebody in the church gets away with something they should have got in trouble for? Why, why, why in your human reason do you feel like you have to be the bringer of vengeance when somebody has done something wrong. Well, pastor just, he, he just lets them get away with it. Do you know that God is just? Now let's go a little bit further. Do you know, this ain't about God, do you know that you're a sinner too? Amen. God help. God help us. When we find ourselves in situations where we're the one that's done wrong, we, we want the forgiveness of God. And for some reason, when we find that other people have done wrong, we want the justice of God. We want the, we want the conviction of God and the consequence of God. God help us. Help us in the apostolic church. In the name of Jesus. Let, okay, so do you know that God is just? Okay, God is just. That means that everything will have a recompense. Amen. Unless it's under the blood. And still a lot of times it has a consequence. Amen. 
Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Action consequence. Okay, if God is just, why don't you quit worrying about him taking care of everybody that's done wrong in the church? You're losing a battle in your mind. You, and and, and, and you, what, what you don't even realize is that hell has pulled the wool over your eyes. And, and you think you're doing God some kind of service by making sure that they receive the consequence of their action. But you know that God is just. And so what's actually happening is that your human reasoning is exalting itself against your knowledge of what God is. If God is just, he's going to take care of it. So I don't have to. I'm going to help somebody tonight. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, I'm going to get a weight off your shoulder real quick. I I feel some liberty in the Holy Ghost right now. You've been carrying around the weight, worrying if so-and-so was going to get what was coming to them. I'm here to tell you, you know God is just. You can let go of it. He'll He'll take care of them. He'll take care of me. And I don't have to worry about it anymore. You've only got so much gray matter in your brain. Amen. Why don't you quit, quit holding on to memories of everything that everybody's ever said and everything that everybody's ever done and the feeling that they've all gotten away with it. God, help us tonight, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Let me tell you, let me tell you who forgiveness frees. When you forgive somebody, it doesn't release them. It releases you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. It releases you to quit worrying about it. It releases you to quit thinking about it. It releases. You ready for this? It releases you to be able to sleep at night. Amen. Because you ain't holding on to everything everybody's ever done. It's, you know what that is? It's toxic. It's like poison in your spirit. Amen. And it's a loss in the battlefield of the mind. Amen. Lord, help the apostolic people. That we would just let go of things. Amen. Let's, let's, let's go a little bit further. Jesus said, when asked, how many times should I forgive my brother when he trespasses against me? Seven times? Seven times in a day, is that, is that good enough? That's human reason trying to impose itself on the justice of God. I mean, you know, because surely if they've done it seven times, they don't deserve forgiveness after that. He said 70 times seven in a day. Have you ever been done wrong by the same person in the same way 490 times in one day? And if you haven't, then why are you still holding on to stuff? God, help us. God, help us. God, help us. The name of Jesus. Now, this is so important, and, and, and you may not realize exactly why or how it's so important. By the help of the Holy Ghost, we're going to get there. Because we, I, I, I honestly think, and, and I'm going to insert this. 
If we believe God is just, why do we get so worked up about politics? Why do we feel like we have to be the, the bringer of justice? God is just. And, and, and every man, he, he's the only one that knows, really, everything that's going on. And his word is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. He knows, and he's going to take care of it. So why are we getting, why are we getting worked up if so-and-so doesn't get indicted or if so-and-so does? At the end of the day, it's, you don't have the power to touch it anyway, so why are you worrying about it? God is just. And the Bible said if you're going to win, if you're going to win the battle in your mind, you have to cast down the human reason that exalt himself against what you know about God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's go a little bit further. We believe that God is just. We also believe that God is forgiving. So why are you worrying about it when you don't feel like somebody else got what they deserve? What if God chose to forgive them like he chose to forgive you? Over and over and over. I'm not knocking you. God has been good to me. Amen. God has forgiven me a bunch of times for a bunch of stuff. And so when somebody makes a mistake or, or, or trespasses against me, you know what I do? I just let it go. And what, what can you do about it anyway? Amen. God help us. God help us. Psalms chapter 73. Truly God is good to Israel. Okay, the psalmist expresses a true statement that he knows about God. Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. Okay. The psalmist knows this about God. I know. I know God is good to Israel. Especially those that have a clean heart. But as for me. Everybody say, but as for me. My feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. Why? For I was envious at the foolish. When I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no bands in their death. But their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men. Neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore pride compasseth them about as a chain. Violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than the heart could wish. They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore his people return hither and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, how doth God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Okay. These are all human reasonings. Based off of observation. The first thing the psalmist says is, I know that God is good to Israel. That's something I know. But somehow, somehow, even though I know that God is good to Israel, my feet were slipping. Oh, God. Somehow, I had ended up on a, 
on a slippery slope and and it, it was like I, I wasn't on firm foundation and I, I, couldn't, I couldn't get good footing. And if I can say it like this, I, I, I know God was good, but somehow I was backsliding. God help us. Why? For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the wicked in prosperity. What, what, what's going on? He's saying, I know something about God. But for some reason, I was looking at something that doesn't make sense about God. Something happening in the world that I wasn't able to reconcile with my knowledge of God. And somehow reason started to exalt itself against knowledge. And, and the psalmist says, as for me, somehow my feet were almost gone. And my steps had well not slipped. Why? Because my reason was causing me to lose the battle in my mind. What was he doing? He goes on to say, Verily I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. God help us. You know what that is in 2023? 20, well, I mean, I, I just, I, I live for God in vain. I, I, I prayed and I paid my tithes and, and, and I was nice to people and, and my life is still a wreck and and so-and-so that ain't doing right, their business is booming. What is that? That's you losing the battle in your mind. That's reason exalting itself against what you know to be true about God. Amen. Now, let me, let me go just a little bit further on this topic. This, isn't, this is not in my notes, and so I may butcher some scriptures before it's over with, but you'll get the gist. The Bible talks about the goodness of God leading this man in the Bible to repentance. He said, do you not know that it's the goodness of God that leadeth thee to repentance? Brother Daniel, can you find that scripture for me? Amen. The, the Bible actually says, after the hardness, after thy hardness and impenitent heart, you're treasuring up to yourself wrath under the day of judgment. It's literally talking about a sinner who's not living right. And God is being good to this person. Amen. Just when you, when you get it, put it up there. Amen. God is being good to this person. Why? Because he's trying to draw them to repentance. Let, let me help your reasoning right now. Not every good thing that happens in somebody's life is because they're being good. God does some really good things for some really bad people because He's trying to show them how much He loves them. And I feel like that this has been the downfall of many a good apostolic when they didn't understand the methodology of God in dealing with sinners. So they got to feeling like their goodness or their righteousness or whatever it is was, was overlooked by God and, and that God wasn't just because He was blessing Blessing somebody they knew wasn't living right. And, and, and here they were, you know, doing everything they know and, and they're not getting anywhere. The Bible says that to this man that's in sin, but after thy hardness and impenitent heart, you're treasuring up to yourself wrath against the day of judgment. And then it says where the, where the righteous judgment of God shall be revealed. Amen. 
What the Bible is saying is that God is being really good to a sinner man that needs to repent. And every time God is good to that man and he doesn't repent, it is a, it is a stored treasure of wrath. It's being laid up to the day of judgment. Amen. Human reasoning doesn't like to function through this. Amen. And so you got somebody not living right and God's blessing them. God's helping them. And God heals their body. And here you are and you've been trying to live right and you've got terminal illness. You've been praying and you've been getting the, the, the ministry to anoint you with oil and God's not healing you. And, and, and reason starts to exalt itself against what you know to be true about God. Before you realize it, your feet are gone. Your steps are slipping. When in reality, in reality, God is trying to lead them to repentance. And every time He blesses them and they don't repent. Here we go. But after thy hardness and impenitent heart treasures up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation. Okay, everybody say revelation. Revelation is the uncovering or the revealing of something. He said, every time I blessed you and you didn't repent because you had a hard and unrepentant, impenitent heart, you are building a treasure of wrath against the day of wrath and the revealing of, get this, the righteous judgment of God. What is the scripture saying? Let's say it. It may not look right right now, but one day, right judgment will be doled out by God. Now we know, we know God will make it right. So let go of it. Oh God! Oh God! Oh God! Help us right now! Help us right now! The psalmist. The psalmist literally in his human reason envelops this idea. He said, verily, surely I have cleansed my heart in vain. In other, in other words, what he's saying is I've been living right for absolutely no reason. And God is blessing all these sinners and everything's going right in their life. And, and trials and troubles have just overtaken me. Well, let me give you a scripture tonight. The Bible says that the trial of your faith is more precious than gold. It's for purification. It's for refinement. I'm here to tell you something. God, God is going to make it right. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. And this is where, let's insert the scripture. That comparing themselves among themselves, they are unwise. Why? Because God's methods and actions in your life have nothing to do with his methods and actions in somebody else's life. You, you don't know their heart. You don't know their soul. You don't know their spirit. You don't know what God has to do to get a hold of them. Amen. And if he's blessed them and they ain't living right, it's still not your responsibility. He's going to make it right. It'll be revealed. You can let go of it. You don't have to worry about it. Let me tell you something the Lord revealed to me, and, and, and I preached this in my church some months ago on this scripture right here. Is that you can be in the worst trial of your life as an apostolic for refining. And the sinner 
can be living on natural streets of gold and earth. Seems like their life is so good and your life is so bad. But if you don't let it mess up your mind and that trumpet blows, you'll go from the furnace to streets of gold and they'll go from streets of gold to the furnace. Why? Because God is just and we know that. Amen. So, so, so let's, let's, get this, let's get this out of our minds. Amen. Verily I've cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. He said, I've been living right and I've got nothing but plagues and whippings. Has anybody ever felt like that? Anybody? Anybody? When you just, Lord, I'm doing right. And it's a whipping every single morning when I get up. And it's plagues every day when I go to work. Amen. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. He said, if I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of my children. Okay, here we go. It doesn't matter what I say, somebody gets mad at me. That's what, that's what the psalmist just said. Amen. I should offend against the generation of, my, of thy children. When I thought to know this. Everybody say, when I thought to know this. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. This is one of the most, I believe, raw human expressions in Psalms. He said, I've been doing my best to live right with everything that's inside of me. I have washed my hands in innocency. I have cleansed my heart. I have tried everything I know. And it seems like every day when I get up, it's just plagues and chastenings every single morning. And I get to looking at the foolish. And it seems like their life is going good. I get to looking at the wicked. It seems like they have prosperity. Uh, they, 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 don't, they don't experience the same bands that, that I experience. And, and, and a full cup is wrung out to them. And it seems like everybody just flocks to them and, and it just, can I say it like we feel it? It just hurts. Amen. It just hurts. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. And here, herein lies what I, what I really, really feel to preach to this church for the next few minutes. And then we're going to pray. And I believe that God is going to change some things for people tonight. Amen. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. There are things in your life, people, in this room right now. And the more you think about your life, the worse it hurts. The more you think about, about your world as compared to other people's world. And the more you think about your consecration as compared to other people's consecration. Your blessing as compared to their blessing. The more you think, try to reason through it the worse it hurts. To the extent that it literally becomes too painful for you. You cannot process through these lines of thought and reasoning because it just hurts too bad. Amen. God help us right now. It just hurts too bad.
people experienced this over and over and over in the apostolic church, in, in the world at large, in society. But in the church, this is the point, and, and, and this is where we're going to focus in. This is the point people get to. And when they have thought and reasoned and tried their best to understand their situation and their circumstances as compared to the others in the church. And it just hurts too bad. This is when they leave the church. Why? Because reason has exalted itself above what you know to be true about God. Amen. I, wanna, I, I just want to make some examples real quick, and, and if you can think with me. The Bible says that God, Jesus himself in Revelation, it's red letter. He said, I open doors that no man can close. Closes doors that no man can open. Do we know that God does that? Why reason we when doors are closed as compared to other people? When, when, when we, let, let's, let's just be real. When, when we don't have a house and somebody else does, or when we don't have a spouse and somebody else does, or when we don't have a child and somebody else does, or when we don't have a financial freedom like other people do, and, and, and all these things, and, 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 and reason, reason starts to exalt itself against the knowledge of God because we know that God opens doors no man can close. Why do we allow ourselves to reason when doors close in our life? Why do we even allow ourselves to reason that, that it was some, some fault or flaw or failure of ours that caused, we, we, like we are capable of closing a door and, and, and we've messed it up, we've ruined it. Now that's not to say that we don't take responsibility for action, we do. The fact of the matter is that God closes doors a lot of times to protect people. Amen. And so if we know we know that God loves us. We know that God cares. We know that God is just. We know that He opens doors and nobody has the power to close Him, close them but Him. So why does it hurt so bad? Why do we allow ourselves to even think that somebody else was able to close the door? God help us right now. God help us right now. And, 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 and in human reason, we blame other people in the church. Well, so-and-so, because so-and-so did this, or so-and-so did that, or, you know, so-and-so took this job from me, or so-and-so took this position from me, and, 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 and so-and-so took this ministry from me. No, God opens doors that no man can close. God help us. And the problem is when you get to thinking that it's somebody else in the church, that's taken this from you or that's, that, that has closed this door, the, the human brain can't reason through that without it hurting too bad. And what happens when you start hurting? A lot of times what we do is we leave. So I, I just can't take it. I can't take it. It hurts too bad. So I leave. There are people, I'm telling you, I felt it in prayer today. I'm not, I'm not here to embarrass anybody by any stretch of the imagination. There are people, you're in, this, you're in this position right now. And you get to thinking and, and, and your brain gets to going. And it gets to going a thousand miles an hour when you, when you turn off those lights and you lay down in bed and, and it's just you alone with your thoughts. And, 
and, and, and, and hell is inserting these things into your mind and human reason is trying to fathom what, what's going on in your world and trying to function through all these things and, and imagination and reason starts exalting itself against the knowledge of God and before you know it, you have no footing to stand on. It's like you're in a mud pit or, 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 or you're in quicksand and, and, and your, your feet are sliding and, and, and you just there's nothing stable or consistent about your life anymore and the more you think about it, the worse it hurts and you're on the verge of leaving. You're on the verge of leaving tonight. What did the psalmist do? He said, when I thought to know these things, it was too painful for me until I went to the sanctuary. Let me tell you what you do to win the battle in your mind. You go to the sanctuary. God help us. He said, I I couldn't take it. I was looking at the world. I was looking across the aisle. I couldn't take it. It hurt too bad. Then I went to the sanctuary of God. You know what happens when you go to the sanctuary? Then, what does the Bible say? Then, what's the word? Understood. I, therein. What happened? What happened when the psalmist went to prayer meeting? Lord help us. Y'all thought I came with a new message. (laughs) What happened when the psalmist went to prayer meeting? Everything that had been wearing him out. Everything that was trying to exalt itself against what he knew to be true about God. Everything that was trying to throw him off course and get him depressed and anxious and weary and try to get him mad at everybody in the church. He said, you know what I had to do? I had to go to the sanctuary. And then in the sanctuary, I got understanding. God, help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. What does the Bible say? But the peace of God, which passeth understanding. Church, there is a place. There is a place in the Holy Ghost that will literally transcend your human reason. It will literally take you above. It it will so far surpass the functionality of your brain and your mind that it won't matter to you what's going on on the other side of the church. It won't matter to you what's going on in your finances. It won't matter to you what's going on in your job. It won't matter to you what's going on in the music department or with the family or whatever it is. You'll understand. It won't matter to you what's going on with the sinner or with the people in the world. You'll understand. God, you give me understanding. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I sat in the sanctuary today and I wept. I cried. I could literally feel, feel this pain. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. Amen. Amen. And you, 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 put, on your, you put on your best dress. And you fix your hair just right. You put that smile on. Maybe. Maybe you don't. You come to church and you act like everything in the world is okay. Because the last thing 
The so-and-so that hurts you in the church needs to know is that you're actually hurt. So, square them shoulders. Raise that head. Walk just right. Everything's fine. But you're dying behind the facade. What's going on behind your eyes, between your ears, is killing you. hell is trying to use it to push you away from the sanctuary I'll tell you something these are the moments that you run to the sanctuary God help me God help me God help me in the name of Jesus I've probably told the story I've told it to my church a thousand times but I I had as a, as a teenager in, in Dayton I had some serious jealousy issues and Started dating Madison, and, and she was pretty enough to where I wasn't the only guy that wanted her. And so, so I, was, I was trying to date her, and there was another guy that went to church with her that was trying to date her. And I went here, and she went there, and so I wasn't there when she was at church. And so, well, what does your mind start to do? It starts to run crazy. And my reaction, because when I thought about it, it was too painful. And what do you do when you don't break to pain? You create anger. When it hurts so bad, but you don't, you don't allow it to be brokenness, it becomes anger. So I was always mad. Destructively mad. Amen. And, and really, it was destroying our relationship, even just dating. And I realized this, thankfully. It was probably a revelation of God, or a really blunt statement from her. Amen. And I remember I went to the church. Why? Because you go to the sanctuary if you're going to be changed. Come on, that's right. Amen. God help us. I remember I walked into FPC. When I stepped through the back door, and I'm in it with everything inside of me, I stepped through the back door. I said, God, I'm not leaving here until you change me. If I've starved to death in the sanctuary, I'm going to die. I'm not leaving until you change me. And I stayed there in the sanctuary. It was about two hours. Just over two hours. And I remember, I can take you to the place where I was at in FPC sanctuary, praying that God would change Darren Motes. When literally, I felt it break. And when I felt it break, thank you, Jesus. I went and got lunch. Never said a word. About two weeks later, she said, what on earth happened to you? What do you mean? She said, you've been completely different. So let me tell you, I went to the sanctuary. When my mind was causing me to be absolutely destructive. When, when, when the reasonings and the thought processes were literally destroying everything around me. What happened? I went to the sanctuary. Until God changed Aaron Motes. Amen. Lord, help us. You're being destructive. Attacking, lashing out. It's anger. Hatefulness. It's a root of bitterness that's sprung up and it's, it's troubling you and it's defiling everybody around you. Amen. How do you get it fixed? You go to the sanctuary. 
You stay there until God changes. Amen. You win the war of your mind. Why don't we stand together? I want to help some people real quick. For the people that somewhere along the way, Satan has infiltrated your mind and convinced you to believe that everybody in this church hates you and everybody's talking about you, all these things, it's time for you to win on the battlefield of your mind. Amen. It's time... It's time for you to take control of your thoughts. Your brain, your brain, God did not intend. What did it say? God had not given us a spirit of fear. He didn't intend for you to be afraid. If you feel fear, it's not a God. Amen. God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Now I want to ask you a question. You don't have to raise your hand. I ain't trying to embarrass you. How many people here could really say right now that you have a godly sound mind? Or has life and circumstance and situation stolen that soundness from you? Can you truly testify tonight that, that I have peace? That is beyond understanding, beyond comprehension. I'll tell you, there, there's been times in my life where I know that I had it. Because there's been people around me that are like, are you not about to lose your mind? Over what? I've been praying. <laughs> Amen. Church, there's a battle going on right now. It's for your mind. It's for you to have control of these things. God didn't intend for you to be, can I say spiritually, like schizophrenic. He, he, he didn't intend for your brain to, to be a million miles this way and then a million miles that way. And, 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 and you're happy and then you're sad and you're mad and you're weary and you're angry and you're depressed and, and you're on top of the world and then you're in the pits and and, and one service, you're having a great service. And the next service, you're on, you're on the ropes. And, and, and you're hanging by a thread. And you're just about... To, God didn't intend for your life to be like that. But you've got to win on the battlefield of your mind. Amen. Casting down imagination. We don't war after the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But they are mighty. But where those weapons have to start is in the casting down of imaginations. And every, not most of, not the majority of, but every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. Amen. Taking into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. There are people here tonight when you really get to thinking. And there, there's, there's something else that happens. Can, can, I just, can I just say what I feel? There are, there are people that you are addicted 
to social media because it is an escape from reality for you. There's people here addicted to other things too that's an escape from reality. Amen. Why? Because when you think about your reality, it hurts too bad. And so you plug all those holes with all these things of the world and the last place you go is the sanctuary and then you've got so many things going on in your life, you sure don't have time to pray. Got to answer all your Facebook messages. Church, let me ask you one more thing. Do we believe the scripture that says, I am come that they might have life and that more abundantly? So if we know that that's God's intention for us, if our life is not life more abundantly, and that hurts too bad, why don't we try going to the sanctuary? If we know that God intended for us to have a beautiful life, a wonderful life, a sound mind, all these things, why are you dealing with depression? Why are you allowing anxiety to hold on to you? Why are you allowing bitterness to destroy you and your family and the relationships with everybody that you love, other people in the church? Why are you allowing that to happen? I'm here to contend that there's a battle that you didn't even know was going on. But tonight, by the power of God, I believe that He intends for things to be broken in this house. Amen. I want the church to begin to pray right now, everybody. I need some help from the prayer warriors right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, this, this is not an altar call for you to hold back anything. This is not the time for you to, you to withhold and withstand and, and not allow God to do His perfect work. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, church, pray right now. Pray right now. Come on, you need to get control of the war that's raging in your mind. It's time for you to win the battle. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Oh, God. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Come on, don't withhold anything. Don't withhold anything tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah.